You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, great to see everybody today. And didn't we have some great worship today? Wasn't worship incredible today? Give our worship team a big hand. I know at Fenwick Island Campus with Joel and Brigida, they had great worship today as well. We want to welcome our Fenwick Island Campus. And we thank you so much for joining us right now as we're all together studying the word together. And uh, we also want to welcome our online fam. We have people from all over the place. I want to say a big hello to Juanita Moore and Callie Moore in Salisbury, Maryland. They watch every Sunday online. And thank you so much for watching Juanita and Callie. We love you guys. And uh, we're grateful that we're all together. We're in a study uh, out of First Corinthians. Corinthians. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're helping us, helping you grow and, and understand the word. If you're a, a seeker, someone thinking about the word and you're not sure about Jesus, one of the things we believe here at Bayshore is we want to teach the word so you can think for yourself. And so we're looking at some really important things about uh, what, the, what the scriptures say. So we go kind of chapter by chapter. So we're in chapter 15 today and uh, we are looking at one of the big issues that Paul dealt with. In fact, as he gets to chapter 15, of 1 Corinthians, uh, it's one of the most important passages in the whole New Testament. And he talks about, uh, evidently there were some people in, uh, in Corinth that weren't sure about the resurrection of the body. Uh, and, you know, they weren't really, they felt like maybe when you die, you just sort of became a spirit and you floated on a cloud and you played a harp. That's really not what heaven is. And that's not really what, you know, the kingdom of God is. There, there's a physical resurrection of one's body. And we'll be talking about that a little bit in the next couple weeks uh, today and next week as we go through this real important passage. But let me read it to you and let me get, we're going to go first through 11 verses this morning. And uh, this is very important. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you firmly hold to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you would have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am least of the apostles, not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all men, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. So in this uh, passage, uh, we actually have the very first creed in the Bible. I don't know if you grew up in a church where they said the Apostles' Creed. How many grew up in a church, maybe Methodist, maybe Presbyterian, you grew up where they said the Creed, the Apostles' Creed. I think we got it on the screen. We're going to put it on the screen. Uh, it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And then I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. 
He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the community of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. How many think you could still say that in, by memories? Many of you could. Now, I grew up in a Methodist church, so I'm sitting, you know, back there with my mom and dad, and we quoted that every day, or, or every Sunday that we were in church, and I could, like, I said, like, rip it off with all of them, and I'm, like, could say the Apostles' Creed. I always, you know, I really, you know, I really was uh, always hung up on the one phrase, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and as a kid, I'm thinking, I'm Methodist, and I say I believe in the Catholic Church, and I don't know if you ever went through that, but as a kid, I'm thinking, why am I saying I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? And uh, I was just perplexed by it every week. I mean, year after year, nobody bothered to explain to me what that was in there for. So I thought, well, I'm Methodist and Catholic. At school, I said, how many Catholics here? I just like raise my hand. I must be Catholic too because, you know, it was in the creed. But the word Catholic means universal. So what we were saying was we believe in the universal church. You know, Bayshore is a great church. We have three campuses, but we're not the whole body of Christ. You know, there's more people that belong to Jesus than us. And so the, I believe in the holy Catholic church. I believe in the universal church. But this, is, this creed was written, the one we just quoted, was written sometime after 325 AD. You know, 300 years after the, uh, you know, after Jesus was on the earth. So this is an old you know, that was an old creed, but this creed today we read, Paul is actually given the very first creed of what the early church believed. And I don't know, here's what I think we struggle with today. I don't know that we really always know what we believe. You know, when you have a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon come to your door, they seem to know what they believe better than evangelical Christians sometimes. So I think we need to think about what do we believe. People today, could you write down what you believe? Could you put it on paper? Like if you're in a class in college or high school and, you know, you go in and they say, um, you know, close your books, take out a blank sheet of paper. How many know what's coming? You're going to have a quiz. You're going to have a quiz. And I'm all like sweating bullets when that happened because I didn't read my assignments very much in high school. And I'm in big trouble. But if... I said today, in church, I said, okay, close your Bibles, you know, we're going to turn the screens down, take out a sheet of paper and write what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is it? What is the way to be saved? Could you articulate that? Now, here's what I think, where we are in America, I think the gospel for Americans is, you know, God loves everybody. God, you know, God is love and God loves you. God loves me. God loves the person next to us. God loves everybody. And because God loves everybody, God just loves everybody. Everything's going to be okay. That is not the gospel. That's part of the gospel, but that's not the gospel. I guarantee you, if you ask people walking down the halls of a university, you know, what do you think about God? And if you ask anybody on the streets in front of Walmart, what is the gospel? Well, God loves everybody. Well, of course God loves everybody, but that is not the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus died for our sins. We had a problem. Our problem was sin. We had missed the mark and we were under, under the judgment of God. And Jesus died for our sins. Died for our sins, meaning that he died in, on our behalf. 
The Bible says in uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the wages of sin, the price of sin is death. So if you sin, and I've sinned, you sin, we've all sinned, we have all fallen short of God's glory, then the consequence of that sin, every sin has consequences, and the consequence of the sin is death. And so we had to die because we sinned. That's the gospel. And the gospel is, is that Jesus on our behalf died for our sins. What happened to Jesus should have happened to us. He was under the wrath of God. He experienced death. He experienced separation from God. It said on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt estranged from his father whom he had known fellowship with his entire, you know, he was eternal and for all eternity, Jesus had had perfect fellowship with his father who loved him and he loved the father. And for a moment on the cross, he was separated from his father just the way a person who doesn't know Jesus is separated from the father. So the gospel is not that God loves you and everything's going to be okay. The gospel is God loved you so much and he knew you were under his wrath because God is, God is, and this is something so important, God is just as holy as he is loving. It's not like he's loving and he's a little bit holy. God is absolutely holy uh, and he's absolutely loving. And those two things came together on the cross. So that's very, very important for us to understand that, how that works, and that's very, very important for us to sort of get that and, and comprehend that. And so they had this creed. They had this creed that, they, uh, that Paul put down together, and here's what the creed is. The creed is, this is the first creed ever. You know, the problem with creeds in the church is you say it redundantly, and it doesn't mean anything to you. So you could say the Apostles' Creed without even thinking about what you're saying. And creeds become, you know, sort of ritualistic and without effect. But creeds are supposed to be meditated on and thought about, and your mind's supposed to be engaged. And here's the first creed ever given. Uh, and he says, this is the gospel that saves you. He says, uh, as in first reports, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins collectively for all of our sins and he died for our sins how many have sinned more than once you know probably more than once on the way to church you know you sin more than once you know so he died for all of your sins not a sin but he died for plurality of sins for all of your sins but also collectively all of our sins together and so he, it says in 1 John, he didn't just die for one person, but 1 John says he died for the sins of the whole world. So when Jesus died for, on the cross, he died collectively for all of our sins. Everybody that's in the church, you know, Jim, Rose, uh, you know, everybody that's here this morning, that we're all sitting together and we all have sinned and Christ died for everybody's sin collectively. And he died on our behalf. So this summer, Memorial Day, I got to do a wedding. I do lots of weddings and do funerals. And so part of my, my deal, what I do, and so I do lots of weddings. And so in Memorial Day weekend this year, I was asked to do a wedding, you know, months before that. And the wedding was uh, in Bethany, on Bethany Beach. Everybody gets married on the beach or a golf course these days. So I got, uh, did this wedding on uh, Bethany Beach. And uh, it's a wonderful wedding with my, my friend Lance Abbott and his uh, wife Trinket there. And you can see me. I'm in the back hand, background behind the hands. That's me back there. 
And uh, I love this wedding. It was wonderful. Lance is a good friend of mine. He's a policeman. I make as many friends with policemen as I can. I think it could come in handy. So, uh, so Lance is a good, good friend. I did the wedding. And then, you know, the reception. See, people ask me, you know, you want to come to the reception after the wedding. I do a lot of weddings, so I can't always go to the receptions. You know, I, I usually try to do the rehearsal dinner or the reception. But, you know, I like to, like, fish around where is the reception, you know? And, like, what, where is it going to be and what restaurants are going to be at? And so I asked Lance. I said, Lance, you know, where, where is the reception? You know, so it's going to holiday weekend. We're going to be in Bethany. He said the reception will be at 1776 Restaurant in Rehoboth. And I've been wanting to eat at 1776 for years. <laughs> and I asked Karen, I said, can we go to 70, 1776 to, to eat? She said, what do you think we are, the Rockefellers? <laughs> we can't eat at 1776. So I said to Lance, he said, the reception is 1776. Do you want to come? I said, let me pray about it. Yes, we'll go. We will be there. So, hey, listen, here's the thing. There were 40 or 50 people at the wedding, and the rehearsal was for everybody, or the reception was for everybody who was at the wedding. All 50 people, all 50 people went to 1776 and got filet filet mignon, and they all got crab or whatever they wanted, and he paid for everybody's dinner. I'm like... Woo, I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling the Lord come on me. That was amazing. Paid for everybody. And one of my favorite receptions ever, you know, people, they, you know, when they say you come into the reception, where's it going to be at? Pizza King or no, I don't, wherever. I just, I will go, you know, if I love you, I love you. And I love you, I'm going to come. But, but I really, really, really think that's really wonderful. But here's the deal. Christ died the gospel is he prayed, he, he, he died for everybody's sins. He, he was able to die. He gave the redemptive gift of salvation to every single one of us, and he died for all of our sins collectively. And that's the gospel. Is, it says, it says for, for what I received, I passed on you a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, in the, in the, and when we're talking about the New Testament, we're talking about people that didn't have a New Testament yet. When Paul's writing this, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, very important thing. He wrote this book in 55 AD, 55 AD, and uh, Jesus was crucified in 33 AD. So we're talking 22 years after Jesus was crucified, this doctrine this understanding of the gospel was fully established. And it wasn't something that grew over time. You go to seminary and, you know, you study these liberal people and they say, well, just time, you know, decades went on and, and you know, 50 years, 80 years, 100 years. And they, they read back into the story that Jesus was raised from the dead. The early church didn't really believe that. And, they, and that is absolutely baloney because 22 years after 
Christ was raised from the dead. The church had a a confession that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures and they would stand up and they would quote that together and 22 years afterwards they knew that Jesus was raised from the dead and they lived their life according to Christ's resurrection and they lived their life because Christ had been raised from the dead and they had nothing to fear in a Roman empire that hated them, that persecuted them, that gave them all kinds of difficulty. It didn't matter if their lives were lost or not. They lived in the light of the resurrection they were not filled with fear and that's something that can help us in covid days we're not supposed to be filled with fear about death because the early church they lived in confidence of the resurrection and the power of jesus and they weren't in bondage to this type of sort of phobia about life ending and they believed in the resurrection of jesus now 22 years let me let me let's get this in perspective They knew Christ was raised from the dead. They were convinced that Christ was raised from the dead. And they confessed it, that Christ died for their sins and Christ was raised from the dead. They confessed it in a creed, 22 years. It's what they all knew. It's what they all believed. It was 22 years later. And let me me just put this in perspective. How many remember 20 years ago when it was 9-11? How many remember 20 years ago? How many know it didn't seem like 20 years ago, but it was just 20 years ago that we experienced 9-11? How many get that? So we're talking about from 9-11 to the book of 1 Corinthians being written where they had a creed where they all believed and they confessed the resurrection of Jesus. And so this was so real to them. How many remember where you were on 9-11? I remember where I was. I remember who was in the room. I remember who left the meeting. We were at a staff meeting. I remember who rolled the TV in. I remember the phone ringing. I don't remember what I had on, but I do remember I had more hair than I have now. I do remember that. And I remember. Now, why would there, how could the early church articulate these details about the resurrection? Because it was what we call an an impact event. When there's an impact event, it is seared on your memory and you remember it. And so they remember Jesus' resurrection. They were there. It was the most significant thing that ever happened in their life. And it happened 20 years ago, but it was like it just happened yesterday. And they remembered everything about that moment. And they made that confession of faith because it was real to them. Now, I can just even go back further. I can tell you uh, how many are old enough to remember when JFK was was assassinated. Raise your hand if you're old enough to remember that. If you're able to raise your hands. I know you're getting older. If you can, you raise your hands. I tell you, that was, that was uh, 57 years ago. 57 years ago, I was in second grade. And I, was, I can tell you where I was standing outside of Central Elementary uh, School, outside the auditorium. We just came out of the auditorium. I'm in second grade, and the teacher announced to us at that moment on that shiny floor in front of that auditorium that... JFK had been assassinated and it was seared on my memory and I went home and watched it on the news and I can tell you exactly what happened. And the early church, those people, Peter, James, and John that experienced the resurrection, it was seared on their memory. That's why it didn't matter if they wrote their gospels 20 or 30 years later. It was like it just happened because it was an impact event that they had in their mind and it changed their life. And the, the creed is, Jesus died for our sins 
And he, uh, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. The Old Testament points to Jesus being, you know, dying for our sins. Isaiah 53, the Passover lamb and and Exodus chapter 14. The first very story in the Bible, first crisis in the story when Adam and Eve sinned and they were separated from God and God came into the garden in the cool of the day and he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam and Eve were hiding behind the bushes, hiding behind the bushes you know, they were, they were ashamed and, and there was no shame in the world before uh, sin entered the world. And now there's shame and there's embarrassment and there's self-consciousness and they're hiding. And God says, Adam, where are you? And is not God an uh, omniscient God? Does he not know that Adam's hiding behind the fourth bush uh, on the right side of the garden? Does he know that? Yes, he knows that. But he's given Adam an opportunity to say, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you confessing his sin. He's giving him that opportunity. And every human being that's sinned against the holy God, there's an opportunity where the Holy Spirit comes on us and the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity to say, Father, we have sinned against you. We've broken your law and we need your forgiveness. And what does God do for Adam and Eve? He kills an innocent animal that had done nothing wrong. We don't know if it was a lamb. We don't know if it was a a calf. But this innocent animal, its blood was shed and his skin was taken, and Adam was clothed from his nakedness. The gospel is, is that somebody has to die on our behalf because we've sinned against a holy God. And so God took the innocent, and the innocent experienced death. And from that innocent death, Adam was covered from his shame. And I can go through the Old Testament over and over and over again and just show you all these incidences. So the gospel is, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Now here's an interesting thing. You're not saved and you're not converted by confessing that Jesus died on the cross. You know, if you go to, now listen, I'm not going to get anybody's, you know, get anybody's, you know, fur up here today. But, you know, Karen and I love to go walk through cathedrals. And we've been to Rome, we've been to... Germany and different European countries, you go to these beautiful cathedrals and you see these crucifixes of Jesus in agony on a cross. And we love looking at these beautiful cathedrals. But anytime you see a crucifix, you're seeing half of the gospel. That's not the whole gospel. Jesus is not on a cross anymore. Jesus is not, in fact, here's something for you to write down or to think about. Do you know that Jesus never talked about the crucifixion without also talking about the resurrection in the same sentence? Jesus was not simply, did not simply die for our sins according to Scripture, but he was raised according to the Scriptures, and Jesus had been raised from the dead. If you went to the early church, the early church, you know, they were, they're being persecuted by the Roman Empire, you know, being thrown to lions. They're going through all this, and so they had such confidence in the resurrection that, you know, I wonder how they would live in times of COVID. They were so confident of the resurrection that they lived with confidence because they knew that the Lord was with them and that the Lord has raised Jesus from the dead, and if Jesus has been raised from the dead, they were going to be raised from the dead too. They had nothing to fear. They were living in that type of confidence. But if you, uh, if you go to uh, Romans 10, I'm not sure we have that. Romans 10, uh, verse 9, I sent it in earlier. I may have said it, but Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess, uh, here it is. If you, this is, this is how you get saved, Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, 
Jesus is Lord. Now, everybody just raise your hand right now and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. You don't come to Jesus by saying, Jesus, Jesus is just all right with me. You know, like the 70s song, Jesus is just all right with me. That's not how you come to Jesus. That's not, you know, Jesus ain't just all right with you. You better hope you're all right with Jesus. That's the thing I'm saying. Jesus is just all right with me. How many know the song I'm talking about? How many, you had long hair and bell bottoms at one time in your life? You come to Jesus and you confess that he's Lord. You don't come to him as Savior. Lord, save me. That's part of it. But you come to Jesus as Lord and you say, Lord, I give my life to you. I have messed my life up. I've been running my life and I give my life to you. If we confess with our mouth, let's put it back on the screen. If we confess with our mouth, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Everybody say out loud, Jesus is Lord. One more time, real loud. Everybody confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. Everybody put your hand on your heart right now. The word believe there, somebody can bring me this chair. I'm going to use, use this chair a minute. Believe in your heart. The word believe there is pastuo. And the word pastuo means to place your confidence in. Thank you so much. Would you give this dear one a good hand? Thank you. Thank you very much. Pastuo is the Greek word. And it doesn't, believe does not mean, I believe in God. I believe there's a God. There's a, there's a supreme being up there. There's a greater power. That's, that's you know, whatever that is. That's, that's fine if that's what you want to believe in our culture. But that's not, that's not what the New Testament teaches. It's not, maybe are you wrong about that? You are wrong about that. Because that word, pastua, does not mean I believe there, a conscious awareness that there is a God. It's not that. It's that I believe, I, I put all of my weight and all of my trust in this gospel. And I'm put, like I'm sitting in this chair, I'm putting everything I have that Jesus is Lord, that he's been raised from the dead. Notice in, the, in this uh, verse, first Corinthians, or first, uh, John, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Romans 10, verse 9, it says, it says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe, that's where you put your trust, pastuo, I put my weight on. I'm, I'm not relying on my good works. I'm not relying on anything else. I'm putting my whole weight on Jesus' work on the cross. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Notice that the resurrection is embedded in our understanding of how we get saved. We don't serve a a crucifix. We serve an empty cross in an empty tomb. And we serve one that was with the apostles for 40 days after he was raised from the dead, giving many convincing proofs that he was alive. And it says in this story, it says that he appeared to Peter... He appeared to Peter. And how many, how many know how many know what Peter did before during the crucifixion? How many remember that? He he denied the Lord. He said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll never, I'll never let you down. I'll never fail you. Everybody else probably will, but I won't. And that self-confidence in the flesh, Peter fell on his face and he denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. He denied the Lord, 
And he, was, he denied the Lord in front of a fire. There was a fire at the high priest's courtyard, it says in John chapter 18. And he was there warming his, his hands by the fire. And a little girl came to him and said, Do you, you, you must be with Jesus. You're a Galilean. No, I don't. I don't know him. And it happened again. And finally, the last time, he, he called down curses on himself. I don't know what he said, but they never asked him again because they were convinced after what he said, he couldn't have been a follower of Jesus. Let me, let me ask, this is a question for all of us. How many have ever, ever really blown it? Just raise your hand. You have blown it royally. You have blown it and messed up. And you know Jesus and you blew it. I'm I'm here to tell you that you're not saved by grace and then it's works for the rest of your life. You're saved by grace. You're kept by grace. You will get to heaven by grace because it's not what you have done, but it's what Jesus has done. And you have a desire to be more like Jesus and you're changing. But as you mess up and you make mistakes, I'm here to tell you that God's grace not only saved you from the beginning, it keeps you in the middle and it will carry you to the end. And you know, so Peter denied the Lord by a fire, and then on the John 21, where Jesus was resurrected, the disciples were in Galilee, and Jesus, or Peter had been out fishing, and they saw Jesus on the shore, and Jesus had made a fire, a fire. He was cooking fish, and they're sitting around with the resurrected Jesus, and the only time in the New Testament we have a fire, a coal fire, is when Peter denied the Lord. And when Jesus was making that fire for fish, and it was the moment, it was like Jesus was recreating the moment, recreating the moment where the Lord had uh, restored him because it was at that fire that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Just like he denied him three times, now he restored him three times. And he said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Just because you've messed up does not mean that God's plan for you is not still on. So the other day, I was sitting at the beach with my family. Uh, on Memorial, or Labor Day, we were sitting at uh, the beach. And, and uh, I'm really pumped up right now. I'm really pumped up because I'm getting a pole born. I've been wanting a pole born. I'm getting a pole born. I've ordered a pole born. The pole born's coming. I'm going to be telling you about my pole born, showing me pictures, showing you pictures of the pole born. I know maybe your neighborhood won't let you have a pole born, but I'm getting a pole born. I'm so excited about my pole born. And the reason I'm getting a pole born is I had this old shed, and here's a picture of my shed. And uh, it's awful. The, the roof is coming, the, the shingles are coming off the roof. And, and, the, and the, it's rotting. And on the, if you go through the, here, the doors, the door's got a brick there because it's holding it up because the doors don't work anymore. And when you go inside, it, you can see the neighbor's yard. And it's not because there's a window there. There's a big hole in the back wall. So I'm finally getting this pole born. I'm so pumped. Then I was sitting at the beach and said, Tim and Joel were sitting there. I said, what am I going to do with the pole born? What am I going to do with the pole born? I mean, I, not the pole born. What am I going to do with this shed? What, I mean, I don't, what am I going to do with it? Tim said, burn it down. Burn it down, Dad. Burn it down. I said, son, we got trees around it. He said, burn it down, Dad. Burn it down. Karen said, you ain't burning that, that thing down. Then Joel said, hey, Dad, why don't you just put it on Delmarva Marketplace? Maybe somebody wants it. I said, and Karen said, nobody's going to want that thing. Nobody's going to want that thing. So... I came home from Labor Day. I'm watching tennis. I just took a picture of it when I came home, put it on Delmarva Marketplace, 
and I'm trying to watch tennis, and my phone lit up. I mean, there's people, there's people begging to get this, this, and I told them how bad it was. They wanted it. People wanted it. They wanted to come get it right then. A hundred people, hundred people said, "We want the shed. We want the shed." And I'm out there in the middle of the dark with a flashlight, trying to, wanting to watch tennis. I'm trying to empty the shed because people are going to come. They want to come now. Some are going to come five o'clock in the morning. Hundred people wanted this shed. I thought, what a fool, why didn't I sell that thing? What am I thinking? <laughs> well, people were fighting over it. I thought we were going to have gunfights in the yard. They wanted this shed. So one guy named Will, he came. He's at the front door. Want to, I want the shed. Want the shed? I said, Will, I mean, you know, he, it's got the roof. It's in the, in the back wall, not a window. It's just a big hole in the wall. I want the shed. I want the shed. He paid $400 to have it moved. $400 to have that thing moved. And I'm listening to him on the phone. And he's telling the guy that's going to move it. He said, when you get to our house, there's a place in the backyard. I mean, you have to go down this little lane. Off the right, it's exactly where I wanted. I mean, not only did he want it, he had a place for it. He had a place for it. And sometimes we mess up so bad, we think nobody wants us. The Lord doesn't want us. The Lord doesn't care about us. The Lord doesn't have any concern for us. The Lord is not with us. He has no place for us. I'm here to tell you, when you feel like nobody wants you, and you feel like you've messed up so bad, and you feel like an old shed that's fallen down, I'm telling you, there is a passionate God who loves you, and he wants you, and he has a place for you, and that's why he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. The gospel, that's the gospel. I was, uh, I used to go to Hagar shopping every Christmas. Not that I wear Hagar clothes, but not against Hagar clothes, but I, I just wouldn't wear them. But anyhow, uh, but I go to Hagar every Christmas because I buy my dad uh, Hagar clothes for Christmas. He loves the sweaters and he loves the shirts. And, and uh, so every year, it's my tradition. If, when my dad goes away, I'm going to miss that. I mean, every year, I'm at Hagar Christmas, Christmas music playing. I'm picking him out sweaters and getting him stuff and always get him socks. I'm, I'm a sock, I love socks, so I buy him a bunch of socks. You know, I just never have enough socks. So I get him socks, get him sweater. And I was in there a few years ago and I'm doing the Christmas thing, shopping for my dad. And this guy says to me, hey, Pastor Danny. Pastor Danny, I didn't know that boy. He came over to me, had a, you know, measuring tape on his neck. He worked there and he said, Hey, I want you to know I got saved at Bayshore. I got saved at your church. And he said, here's how I got saved. And, and you, you preached this message. This is what you preached on when I got saved. And he, every week, every year I'd go there, he'd be there, and he'd say, I got saved. I'm serving Jesus. I'm, in, I'm, I'm going to school to become a minister. And his name is Richard Poe, Pope. And I want to read you his story, a pretty interesting story. And here's what he says. See, I'm so thankful for how the Lord worked through Bayshore to save me. When I was born, my mom was a, an, abusive, an abusive marriage. And my biological father just died of an overdose. That dysfunction and pain followed me through most of my childhood. When I was five, I was molested repeatedly by a relative, which led to PTSD. When I was 14, my cousin committed suicide, and shortly after was my first suicide attempt. 
After almost a year in psychiatric facilities, I was invited to Bayshore by my friend Harold Pontius. I remember Pastor Danny preached a message about being made new in Christ. I remember hearing of the Savior's love and kindness and being overwhelmed by peace for the first time in my life. I gave my heart to the Lord that Sunday, and shortly after I was baptized, my life was changed forever. For the first time ever, I felt that my life had purpose, and I no longer wanted to die. After graduating from high school, I took an internship with the Wesleyan Church and attended school for ministry and then seminary. I've had the opportunity to serve as a full-time evangelist, outreach pastor, youth pastor, and now church planner. My wife and I launched Canvas Church on Easter Sunday and have already seen 33 people come to faith in Christ in just five months. In August, I completed a 100-mile walk around Delmarva to raise awareness for suicide and to share the hope of the gospel. Here's a picture of uh, Richard walking to raise awareness for suicide. This boy right in the middle. Boy right in the middle. Carrying the cross because his life was a mess. He probably wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for the gospel. And now he's got Canvas Church in Salisbury. He's preaching the gospel, having lunch with him a few weeks. And you know what? He received, he received the gospel here, and he's given the gospel wherever he goes. Paul said, I'm passing on to you what I received. I'm passing on to you what I received. I received the gospel of Jesus dying for our sins, him being raised from the dead, and him appearing to Peter, him appearing to over 500 people at one time, many of whom are still alive, and you can go check it out. It's only been 20 years since 9-11. You can go check it out. There's people still alive that saw that, and you can check it out. Paul said he's laying on the line. He's putting his cards on the table. You don't believe this is true. You go check it out. He, these, these people are still alive. 500 people saw him at one time. It's not just like you can fool one person. You can fool two people. You maybe you can fool, fool three people, but you can't fool 500 people. And he appeared to Peter, he appeared to the apostles, and he appeared to James. 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 Not James, the apostle, one of the disciples. It was James, the brother of the Lord. And it says in John chapter 7 that his brothers didn't believe in Jesus. And Jesus' brother, how many have tried to witness to people in your family and it's the hardest people to ever witness to? How many know what I'm talking about? It's easy to tell somebody that's a stranger, but telling your, your kids or your sisters, it's the hardest people in the world to tell the, tell the gospel to. And, 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 and Jesus' own brother who did not believe in him became the leader of the church of Jerusalem. The leader of the early church, Peter was a key role, but the early church was led by James, the brother of Jesus. And Jesus appeared to the brother, his brother, who didn't believe in him. And <laughs> he believes. Like Andy Stanley said, what would you have to do to convince your brother you were the son of God, you know? <laughs> so what I'm telling you is, this is not just church. It's not like we just go to church. This is real. 
This is real. This thing is real. Jesus is alive. He's been raised from the dead. COVID or no COVID, COVID, we have a resurrected Savior who is alive, and we don't need to be filled with fear because Jesus has been raised from the dead. It doesn't matter what happens to us. We need to be smart and wise. I don't suggest we should not be smart and wise, but at the end of the day, we need to walk in confidence because our Savior has been raised from the dead, died for our sins, and the best thing that could ever happen to us is to go be with the Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel we serve. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this is, this is it. This is, your, this, is, this is how it happens. You put, your, you put your trust in Jesus, and the evidence is there. The truth is there. I believe, I pastuo, I put my weight on the gospel, all of my weight. Uh, I put all of my eggs in this basket because Jesus is real. Would you lift your hands to the Lord as we close this morning and Corey's coming and let the Holy Spirit pour out grace on you this morning. Let the grace of God flow on you, the power of the gospel. It's a, Paul said it's the power of gospel unto salvation to everyone who believes. It's power. It's not just interesting things to think about. It's power. It's confidence. It's peace. It helps you to overcome and helps you to live in a way of confidence that nobody else in the world can live in because you're a part of Jesus' family. You are, you are following the resurrected Savior who died for your sins. So, Lord, pour out the Holy Spirit on this church. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we experience, let the power of the Holy Spirit be with us. This is new times, new times, new times. Not the old times, Lord. These are times, new times, where we live as the early church lived, and we live in faith and confidence in you. For those that don't know the Lord, let's help them pray the prayer. Let's all pray it with them. This is the prayer that we pray to receive the Lord. Let's pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins according to the Scriptures. I believe that you were raised from the dead according to the scriptures. I believe, Lord, that there's no question that you've been raised from the dead and I make you my Lord. I confess you to be my Lord and I confess and repent of my sins because my sins are not the way to peace, not the way to joy, but I repent of my sins and I bury them at the foot of the cross under the blood of Jesus. And I receive you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.